Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Today, we're going to talk about a super interesting topic. I mean, you seem really excited about it. Though, I am excited <laughs> about it because this is a question that we get from clients all the time is where to keep their emergency funds. I have extra cash. Where do I put it? You know, it's something that gets brought up by clients, friends, family. So, you know, something kind of everybody deals with. Well, it's actually a little bit more fun to talk about right now because there's a big disparity across different areas about where you put your cash and how much you're going to earn. So, you know, I think that just a few years ago, cash was trash and now cash is king, right? So um, it's actually paying a reasonably high interest rate, just relatively speaking. Only if you're keeping it in the right place, though. That's the problem is there's certain instruments that have kept pace with interest rates and certain accounts that haven't. And so if you've just been keeping your money in your savings account at your credit union all these years, that interest rate hasn't budged. So as we've seen online savings accounts go up to three and a half percent is about what you can get now. Your savings account at your local credit union is still paying 0.03 percent. Points zero nothing. I just <laughs> checked it this morning for a client, actually, and you are absolutely right. When I checked it, it was 0.03. Yeah. And so I, I basically said it's, it's better than keeping the money under your mattress, um, but not by much. <laughs> I guess it's an FDIC insured. That's true. You're, you're under your mattress is not FDIC insured. So <laughs> it's another bonus. It's a total bonus, uh, except for it would cause, uh, how many years would it take to double if you're earning 0.03% interest? Um, I, it's going to be a long time long time. So, I mean, I guess in either way too, and some people ask this, um, and I've had this question before, if you have an online savings account, you should make sure that's FDIC insured, but by and large, the vast majority of them, whether it's Marcus or SoFi or all the other online banks, they're going to be FDIC insured. Yep. I think City Discover are some of the others that are paying, you know, somewhere between three and a half to 4% right now. So. Yeah. I mean, and (laughs) You know, it's a situation of just trying to maximize that. Some people have this inherent love for their own credit union, and I think that that's a positive thing. But the other thing to consider is um, it's actually a liability on their balance sheet. When you have deposits inside of a credit union, uh, if they leave them on their balance sheet, they're a liability, and they have to take those funds and actually lend them out for them to make any money. So a lot of times people ask me, well, why are the credit unions paying such low interest rates? And one of the reasons is that they actually don't want to keep that cash on their balance sheet. It's actually a negative for them. So interesting. I don't didn't know feel that. bad for them <laughs> if you decide to take your money out. You're not ruining the credit union mission or anything like yeah. that by doing that. So, so can you, you can still support your local credit union by having your checking account there, having your mortgage there, maybe having a car loan there, um, but you're not hurting them by not having your savings with them. That's really good to know because I definitely like to support my credit union, but I also would like to see some interest on my savings account. Yeah. And I do the same thing. I have my, I have a checking account over at my local credit union. I have $5 in a savings account because that's the minimum <laughs> I can put in. Yep. And then I use their uh, loan products, which are wonderful. So I have, yeah. you know, I use a home equity line of credit and I use, um, I've got my auto loans there and I think it's, it's a wonderful mission that they have and they have a different type of insurance. It's not FDIC, it's NCUA, uh, but same principles apply to that. Um, usually you're getting a $250,000 you know, protection limit on there. And, and while it's extremely unlikely that um, you're going to end up having a bank or credit union failure, you should be aware of that too if you've got a huge pile over there. Especially Definitely. if it's earning point zero nothing. Well, and certainly if you're sitting on cash above 250, you, you should definitely be having that in, in multiple places so that each deposit is insured. But boy, man, if you're sitting on 250 in cash, we really need to talk about the best place to put that because it's definitely not you're at your credit union. Um, 
know, I think that the I think the other thing that is is CDs. I think we need to talk about CDs um, because those are, that's another product that you can get through your local bank or credit union, and there the interest rate for CDs has gone up. But it's it's still just given the other options that I think you can have right now. CDs are not very attractive. Um, yeah, it's going to be better than the point zero three, but you're locking up your money uh, first of all into a CD. Oftentimes, to get the best CD rates, they have a, a minimum amount you need to invest. You're locking your money up for a longer period of time, and there's just better options right now. Some one one option that I really like that that I use frequently is Treasury bills. Um, it's sort of similar to a CD in that you can do it for a short period of time. You know, you can do four weeks up to a year and they pay higher interest than CDs do. Um, and the interest that you earn on treasury bills is not taxed at the state level. So you're kind of getting that extra little, um, tax savings as well compared to CDs. So if you're going to lock up your money for a short period of time, why not do it with a treasury bill? get paid a better interest rate and save on your taxes. Like to me, that feels like a no brainer. Yeah. I mean, you're a CD hater, which I kind of love, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And then you also get interest penalties if you cash out of your CD early. Yep. And in some cases it does make sense to do that. I've done the calculus for my, my parents who are in a CD rates went up really, really quickly. And I said to them, look, just take your penalty, but it kind of stinks to have to take a penalty. And I think with the option, the alternatives of using an online savings, if you need that liquidity, and if you don't need the liquidity, I think you're right. Um, now, where do you go to purchase those treasuries that you're talking about there? So for, for treasury bills, you can purchase those directly from the U.S. government through treasurydirect.gov. It's really easy to open an account there, hook up your bank. Um, you can buy buy the bills with a couple of clicks. And then when the bill matures, it just you can have it deposited right back into your bank account. Um, and then it just shows up in your bank account. You can also have it reinvested. So if you invested in a 26-week treasury, for example, you could have that when that comes due, you can have that just reinvested right into another 26-week treasury. Or it can go into your bank account. So you do have some options there. So it's an auto reinvest sort of thing. You check a box and it just goes. Yeah, it kind of gives you the option when you're buying, buying the bill at the end. Do you want this? What do you want to happen when it matures? Do you want it to get reinvested again or do you want it to go to your bank account? And then how how long a term can you go on those? For bills, it's up to a year. So yeah. they come in, it's like four weeks, 12 weeks, 26 weeks, 52 weeks. And then at that point, then you start getting into um, treasury bonds at that point um, and treasury notes, which are longer duration. And those are all available on Treasury Direct as Correct. well. Correct. So. Yeah. And also, I mean, you can also buy treasuries if you have a brokerage account. You can buy them that way as well. Um, and so the new issues are issued through Treasury Direct, but you can buy um, on the secondary market through a brokerage account as well. Yeah. And that's generally what I tend to do. I've never, I've never made a purchase on Treasury Direct, so that's why I'm kind of intrigued. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, a lot of people have been buying I-bonds off of Treasury Direct. Yep. Um, but then, you know, just people don't know that you can just go online and do the treasury bills like that. And you're absolutely right about the interest, um, you know, and the, and the tax free nature of it on the state side. That's nice. Yeah. Um, well, in the 26 week treasury is paying over 5% right now. The new issues last week are, are just crested 5%. I mean, that's, that's really great rate, you know? So for me, that's, it's, it's a really good tool for, expenses that you know are coming up. Maybe you say, oh, I have a home remodel project that we're going to do next year and I'm going to need 20 grand for that. 
or let's say you have property taxes that you know are due at the end of the year. Instead of having that sit in your savings account at your bank, throw that into a treasury bill. Make sure it's a bill that comes due right when you need the money. And then, you know, you're earning 5% on that. And that's just, that's a really easy, easy way to put that money in a really safe spot. You know, it's not subject to market fluctuations there. You know exactly what you're going to get and when. Man, I should have told that to my client just an hour ago. They were talking about property tax and you're talking about CDs and rates, but they were talking about leaving the money in the credit union. Um, But I said, no, don't open (laughs) an online savings account is what I said. Um, But that's a great call out as far as like property taxes and and things like that, because property taxes are a natural for a lot of people saying, okay, I don't escrow and I need to save that money anyways. And why not get a little something? Exactly. So sure. You can get three and a half percent in an online savings account, which is definitely better you know, then your credit union account. But if, if you know, you're not going to need that money until December, you know, get 5% instead. Yeah. And I guess the only downside there is really that you have that liquidity risk, right? You need to get money quickly. You don't have that money accessible yeah. to you. Yep. You have to borrow it back to yourself, but in the form of a home equity line of credit or something like that, or a securities lending sort of situation, um, or a personal loan. So, I mean, those are all the things that I guess could happen if you locked up your money. Definitely. I mean, that should be, that should be money in excess of your emergency fund. Your emergency, your emergency fund should definitely still be kept in some type of savings account, preferably high yield. But once you kind of get beyond that, you say, okay, I have, I have my three to six months living expenses. I have that set aside. Um, now what do I want to do? Savings account, obviously. Yeah. Yep. What do I want to do with my cash beyond that? So that's good. And then, you know, if you go to the brokerage, route too. I mean, like, like for me, um, and, and a lot of our clients, you know, we have brokerage accounts, we've got some money sitting there. Um, we don't want money sitting in our checking accounts or savings accounts. You send that out to your brokerage account and you've got a number of different, I think really good options there too. Um, you know, like you said, secondary market issues, you've got CDs that you can do there, brokerage CDs, brokerage CD hater probably too, but, um, (laughs) treasury bonds as well as you can buy treasury bills that you can buy. You just kind of look at what sort of maturity do you want on those sorts of assets and you can buy those in your brokerage account. It's pretty easy. Once you do it a couple of times, it, it becomes uh, a little bit more like second nature through that. And then, you know, we also could consider ETFs as well. Yeah. You know, and I was thinking about that and I was a little bit hesitant because I was like, well, then you're paying an expense ratio. I mean, it's pretty low, you know, it's, it's 0.15%, I think for, for some of those funds. Um, but what you're paying for is you don't have to reinvest that money. It's just, it's, it's more liquid. You can buy and sell that fund any day that you need it. Um, you don't have to worry about reinvesting those funds when the bills come due. So there are some advantages that come with paying that really small expense ratio is it's kind of, it can be a set it and forget it thing. And it does kind of give you, give you easier access, I think, to the, to the liquidity side. If you want to invest in those, then you can just easily buy and sell that ETF any day the market's open. So there are some advantages to paying that expense ratios, kind of the more hands-off approach. Yeah. I think the big thing is actually going in there and you're just going to have to do more research because, you know, not every fund is created equal. The risk parameters are different. I mean, that's for the more experienced uh, investor, I would say, because, uh, you know, some of them are going to contain one to three month, you know, bills and others are going to contain longer term. And, you know, you could make a big error by getting into a long duration fund, you think you're not taking any risk. And then all of a sudden you get hammered when interest rates go up. Exactly. As we saw last year, you can't just buy the the aggregate bond index and be like, oh, I'm going to be fine. And then all of a sudden you're down 10% in six months, which is what happened last year. It was 
it was a quick sell-off and you lost money in bonds. And yes, you can absolutely lose money in bonds, especially if you're trading ETFs. Um, if you're going on Treasury Direct, you're removing that. You're, you're guaranteed uh, as long as the federal government's able to pay their bills, uh, you know, and we have a debt ceiling thing going on. Um, but, you know, in normal times, you're always going to get paid off for that. And, yep, exactly. And even if we have a debt ceiling sort of uh, issue, I think the the risk there is is very low. We're not going to default, in my opinion, and you know, we're going to be in a situation where brinksmanship and actually treasuries tend to rally during those situations in an odd turn of events because the stock market is, you know, getting hit during that period of time. People are freaking out a little bit. And where do they go? Treasuries for safety. Yep, definitely. I mean, it, that's, that's kind of the benefit of it is it's, it's, that's what they consider the risk-free rate of return. When people talk about what the risk-free rate of return is, what they're referring to is the rate that you can get on U.S. Treasuries. So that's really as close to, to risk-free as you can get. Yeah. And I guess the only risk you take in there is that um, if interest rates are going up during the period of time that you're investing in, you're losing that opportunity. It's that opportunity cost of saying, okay, I lock myself into, say I bought treasury bonds at three years at a stated interest rate and rates went higher. Well, that's really what you have lost in that sort of situation. If you hold yep. all the way to maturity, um, you know, there's no risk of loss as long as the government pays their bills, you're going to get your stated interest rate on that treasury bond. But if interest rates have gone on, that's kind of your your downside risk there. So that's why you have to be careful and know when you need the money and for how long you want it to, um, la you know, how long you want to be locked up for. Um, I guess the the other risks that I could see there um, that, I, that I could think of would be, you know, there, there's very little like default risk. You've got liquidity risk. You've got uh, interest rate risk inside of there. But by and large, these are pretty steady investment options. Yep, exactly. And and right now you're actually getting paid more to invest with a shorter time horizon. And that's sort of counterintuitive. Typically, if you're investing in something where you're locking your money up for a longer period of time, they actually pay you higher interest to do so. And right now that's just not the case. Um, you can get the 26-week treasury bill, which is paying over 5%. But if you look at a 10-year treasury, it's only paying 3.5%. So why would I lock up my money for 10 years at 35 when I can have it locked up for a much shorter period of time and get a better interest rate. I mean, typically, like basically, if you think that interest rates are going to fall in the next 10 years to below three and a half, then maybe. But, you know, right now it's just not paying to lock up your money for a long time like that. So that's the other risk that I guess we haven't mentioned yet would be reinvestment risk, right? Yeah. So, yeah, if you kept all your duration short and all of a sudden interest rates fell significantly, well, yeah, you would have wanted to have had a longer duration there. But um, you're absolutely right when you say that. And right now, we're in an odd situation. This is an inverted yield curve, and it is steep, yep. meaning that the front end of it is way high compared to the back end of the curve. So, you know, a 30-year treasury bond is paying less than a one-year treasury bond. That's not normal. Um, it's actually very recessionary um, as far as an indicator. Uh, so we'll see whether or not that plays out. But right now, cash is king. And short-term cash, it's yep. king too. So um, make sure that you spend some time looking at your own personal balance sheet and say, what do I have here in cash? And what do I have here for short-term obligations? And how can I maximize my interest? Because that's real. Like, 5% is nothing to sneeze at. And as our inflation rate hopefully continues to go down, you might actually be earning a net positive rate of return, which 
would be wonderful. Usually right. you don't get that in short term. Because right now you're barely beating inflation. I mean, well, you're not in many cases. I mean, inflation, what, in December was 6.5 and now it's 6.4. So even if you're investing your money and getting 5%, inflation is still outpacing that. But if you're sitting on money in a savings account and getting 0.03 and inflation is at 6.4, you're really losing out on purchasing power. And I think that's something that people don't often think about. They think of that money, oh, they don't want to risk it. They don't want to lose it. It's safe in their savings account. Um, but but you are actually losing money. You're leaving money on the table. You're losing purchasing power by by not earning a better interest rate on that money when inflation, especially when inflation is running this high. I mean, total silent killer to portfolios. People don't realize that they wake up 10 years later and everything is significantly more expensive and they're getting squeezed. Yep, they don't realize exactly. it. Um, and it's been accelerating over the last few years when inflation runs so high, you can actually kind of see inflation at work. It's not so insidious and small here. It's, it's much larger. I mean, you look at just the price of any goods that we're buying on a normal basis. Eggs. I mean, eggs. eggs. <laughs> I, I read an article the other day that people are actually buying chickens they're calling them inflation chickens because the price of eggs are so high. They're buying chickens that will lay eggs in anticipation of continued high egg prices, which I just I find to be hilarious that there is now the term inflation chickens. Inflation chickens. You know, what what also can lead to um, a bad environment there, though, is if you get a fox around. So that would not be good. Fox in the there go, house. There goes your uh, inflation chickens. Yep. <laughs> to predators. <laughs> That well, would be a known risk. That, right? Yeah, right? That, that is a known risk when buying chickens is watch for foxes or coyotes. That's, I think that's something that we have in this area, is, is especially in northern Wisconsin, is coyotes. So. you got to be a little careful with your, uh, your pen and everything. And then, you know, you don't want to make them non-free-range chickens because, you know, you have to have free-range, yep. right? I mean, what's the point of having backyard chickens if they're not free-range backyard chickens? That's true. And maybe another level, which I've started to buy these eggs now too. And now they're really expensive. So I've kind of gone back and forth, but pasture raised chickens. Wait, what's the difference between pasture ranged or pasture raised and free range? So apparently free range, you're still in some sort of kind of a pen situation. Pasture raised, I think you can just go on vacation. You can do whatever <laughs> you want. You can like frolic. you like, this is the most frolicking chicken that I was going to say, get. so and the chickens like, are on vacation. They're frolicking in the oh, field. Oh, they're so happy. You get the <laughs> best eggs. I don't even know. That's, so that's what I was told from Nate's wife. Thank you, Selena. She told me that the next level is you want pasture raised. So okay. those are apparently the Do they have chickens yet? Um, not yet. That's on the docket. Okay. I'm hoping. Along with the goats? Uh, yeah, I think it's goats first. And okay, then goats and then chickens. chickens. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the price of eggs, though, is making them reconsider. Maybe they'll get chickens before goats. I think they should. Yeah. I mean, I'm really only into this for what's in it for me, so I need him to buy a lot of chickens. Yeah, I was going to say, he needs to start supplying the office with eggs. Yeah, so. like, like two dozen inflation chickens. Is yeah, no, that, that that sounds great. He I'm has predators, board. though, so I don't know. Maybe they're going to have to build some penning structure, and I don't know if I want their dirty, <laughs> you know, cage-free eggs. I want pasture raised. So, yeah, yeah. like, we're going to have to talk to Selena about, like, what qualifies as a pasture-raised egg? That's true. Yeah. Or get some sort of chicken security system. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of nest cams. I mean, they already have, like, cameras, and now he's going to have chips that he pulls, and he's looking at his chickens and watching for predators. It's going to be great. That's fantastic. I'm loving, I'm loving it. Well, thanks for joining us on this. Uh, we'll call it a cash bash. We Ooh. have a little cash bash here. Love it. Um, hopefully, we've given you a little food for thought and given you some options. Um, Alicia also will have a blog post on this uh, that she wrote 
Um, you can review that and any questions, just uh, send us a, a message and we'll get right back to you. So uh, we'll join you next time on another episode of Give Me Some Truth. Walkner Cotton Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walkner Cotton Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.